Hello and welcome to the Catholic Duluth Show. The Catholic Duluth Show is a parish community podcast serving the parishes of St. Lawrence and Holy Family in Duluth, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Daniel Rota, and with me I have Father Eli Gieske. How are you doing today, Father? Good, good. Good to be with you. Yeah, the uh, the, the weather has warmed up. It has. I was noticing that uh, today that much ice has melted, much snow has melted. Yeah. It looks a little ugly on the on the roadside, but, yeah, it does. you know, it, it does the parking lot a little good, so... Yeah, yeah, it, it's, um, I took my dog out yesterday and I just had like shorts and a t-shirt on oh. and I wasn't like, I wasn't like, oh, I have to get back inside right now. Yeah. Like yeah. I probably normally would have. So quite, quite different from a so, week ago. So yeah, that, that, that was, that was real nice. Um, this morning I had to stop and get some more, uh, windshield washer fluid. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Yeah, bless you. Yeah, thank bless you. you. Yeah, it's that time of year where it's kind of messy to drive. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So uh, that that's nice. That's good for the <laughs> the mental health. Yes, the seeing uh, the sun. I, I've been noticing it. So a couple of guys, myself here at St. Lawrence, we pray a holy hour in the morning, um, and you really start to notice when the sun starts to rise, or you can see like the 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 red glow on the horizon as we're finishing or even see the sun as we're finishing now. So um, it's, it's, I don't know, it's different when you wake up and you see the sun shortly after you wake up versus, you know, it's a, several hours yeah. <laughs> before you see the sun or it even gets light out. So, yeah, yeah. No, noticeable difference. Uh, yeah, I, I was thinking it's kind of interesting in the winter that it's just hard to, like, wake up because it's just dark. Yeah, it's just dark and cold. <laughs> Um, well, is there anything, uh, going on this week that you want to highlight? Sure. Yeah. So we have the winter carnival on Sunday from one to three. Is that right? Ooh, I should know that. I don't know. I'm going to be in big trouble. I think it's one to three. It's in the afternoon, um, at St. Lawrence here. And, um, this is my first winter carnival that I've been to. So I'm pretty excited. I don't know all the different events and things that I'm, I'm, I'll be finding and learning out more about it as, as I go through it. But it should be exciting. The sisters are going to be there. Um, hopefully a lot of people will come. So Yeah, I, I hear there's going to be games and games, uh, I competitions. Think a fire. Yeah. A, a, nice, a nice bonfire. Right. Yeah. We're going to burn the uh, old manger scene, I think. Or not, oh. not the figures, but the, the old, it, there's a mouse-eaten manger that needs to be... Oh, yeah. I, I remember that that discussion. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll try not to scandalize the children. Uh, what else? Um, Stations across again on Friday this week. It's at uh, Holy Family. So this per- the first one was here at St. Lawrence. So we'll be down at Holy Family six thirty. And Sunday we also have the Holy Hour six thirty at yeah. Holy Family. Yeah, at Holy Family. Um, yeah, that's uh, a finance council for Holy Family. On Thursday, we the, the other two were, were last week or two weeks ago. I forget now. So yeah, things are things are coming 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 along as they do. We're here in our first week of Lent. So yeah, yeah. How's it going for you so far? So far, so good. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know. It's. I. It, it feels like it's been a Lent year. So it's <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like. What more can we add? But. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like I, th- I think Lent started like a year ago, about, about this time. 
Yeah. So <laughs> I I have a I'm doing a little fasting, a little extra prayer, a little. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to find something to give some alms to. So, yeah. But that's pretty much it yeah. that I can think of. Oh, I'm gonna be gone for some weeks, so I'm gonna go on retreat from Monday to Friday next week, and then I'll be back for the weekend, and then I'm gonna be gone again. Monday to Saturday, so uh, we have some visiting priests doing the masses and so forth. So, yeah, but yeah, other other than that, kind of the regular rigmarole around here. Yeah, I have an adoration hour this morning, uh, not this morning, but Wednesday morning, twelve thirty. I do the twelve thirty to one thirty. So we'll see how that goes. Okay. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully I wake up. I have my alarm set. So. <laughs> yeah, I remember in college, uh, I had I took like the one thirty time. Yeah. And it's a tough one. Yeah, yeah. I used to do, I think, 11.30 to 12.30 my last parish every week. So um, this will be this will be good. Yeah. Yeah, great. Um, well, before we dive into today's topic, would you open us in a prayer? Sure. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we ask you to bless us today, bless our parishioners, all those who are listening, all those who may be in some particular need. We lift them up in prayer and we say, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So what are we talking about today? We are talking about right worship. Right worship. Right how? Good, good. <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, that, what does that mean? That is the that is the question of the hour. Um, so right worship is um, it's our new theme it's that we have theme. That's going right. on. Yeah. So we just started. So it was this past weekend or this upcoming weekend. This past weekend we started it. Okay. This yeah. This we are continuing. This past weekend. Um, began the first, um, yeah, the first weekend in this kind of theme of right worship. We're going to be talking about uh, how do we how do we worship, and then uh, even more importantly, how do we? I guess I, I guess I don't know if it's more importantly, but but the next step after worshiping is worshiping rightly. Yes. Right. Right. Yes. That's 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 a great that's a great way to put it. You know, uh, I think I forget if it was Chesterton or John Henry Newman. Somebody said. You know, if, if we don't worship God, we'll worship something. Like we'll find something to worship because it's just yeah. written into our natures that we we want to have this deep union with something. So you look at the pagan religions, you look at you know all the different ways people have worshipped in the world, and um, you could even see like what does an atheist worship? Like I don't know, they might worship like science or knowledge or technology or something. You know, like there mm-hmm. there's something that we give ourselves to and like find meaning in. If if we don't give ourselves to the fullness of the truth, we we look for something else, right? So, yeah, so it's good to to worship is there, and then how do we do it as God would have us do it? So yeah, yeah, because that, that's that's um, like just by virtue of having uh, some like right worship, that means that there's wrong worship. Yeah, right, yeah, right. And so, so yeah, I think it's important also as we you know as we kind of dive into this topic and kind of flesh it out more understanding that there's worship and then um god also like tells us how he wants to be worshiped mm-hmm. right yeah uh, it's like 
make a peanut butter sandwich, you got to use peanut butter and jelly and bread. You can't use rice and, I don't know, honey. <laughs> it's a great analogy, right? It is, uh, it is, it is. <laughs> and that will be the end of today's episode. Yeah, you, you got to use the right ingredients. Yeah, uh, yeah. and I think, uh, so what do we mean, I guess, starting off just by worship? We'll get to the the right part later, mm-hmm. but can you yeah just kind of explain what do we what do we we mean by worship? Yeah, well, you know the the idea of liturgy is it's a public work of the people, uh, and when we talk about liturgy in the context of Christianity, it's the public work of worshiping God, and so when we talk about what is worship, it's like giving due honor to God, giving due reverence to God, giving due um, devotion to God. So, you know, if you would have looked at the early church, they would have had different models of what worship is. You know, they would have looked at like the Roman sort of model, which is, you know, give your offering, say your prayers to whichever deities you like and or you, you're courting favor from. And then the rest of your life, you just do whatever you want, whenever you please, however you want. They're not too worried about, you know, the the moral life or whatever. Um, they would have had like the Jewish model, which is much more. It's like our ancestor, you know, obviously same God, same kind of uh, concept of how to worship, um, but just a little bit different format. Um, they would have had everything in between those two, right? So, lots of different models out there of what worship is. So for us as Catholics, we our roots are in the Jewish faith. So a lot of the way that we worship, the the, the scriptures that we use, the psalms that we use, the 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 idea of singing, all these things, kind of come from those Jewish roots. And so we would say, how does how does God invite us to worship Him? We would look at the the Jewish faith. There's a lot of things there. Then we would look at something like the Last Supper and say. What did Jesus ask us to do? You know, so the the liturgy as we have it now has come into being over time, and it's it's um, slightly changed over time. But the the essential part of it has always been there since the early days, since the you know since Pentecost, when the when the apostles received um, this mandate from Jesus to go and celebrate the mass, to go and do this in memory of me. You know, so. Um, so there's a way that God invites us to worship him. And you could look at the Old Testament as, in a sense, a preparation to, to worship rightly. You know, if you look at what happened in Exodus and Numbers and Leviticus and all those uh, Pentateuch books, the books that kind of form the, the beginning of the Old Testament, a lot of that is trying to help the people of Israel understand right worship and what is wrong worship. Like, what what's the difference? What... Uh, what kind of sacrifices we offer? Why do we offer sacrifice? All these questions that they would have been dealing with because they were coming from, again, the Egyptian context, which was another sort of pagan world where lots of different deities, lots of different gods. And so God is training them. We, that's not what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you, I'm your God. You are my people. I'm calling you out of that lifestyle into a new way of being with me, a new kind of relationship. And so that's our I mean, if you look back, that's our context in which we're coming from. And so, um, you know, we, we should keep that in mind as we 
as we look at what is worship and what is right worship. Yeah, and uh, you, you definitely, you, you mentioned this um, when we kind of talk about uh, liturgy, and I mean, there's different kinds of liturgies, mm-hmm. but the kind of main one that we all participate in is the Mass. Yeah, we're right? most familiar with, yeah. And, and that's, to I guess I guess that's probably the way that we all like worship the most and how God really asks us to worship, mm-hmm. right? Um, so uh, you you did mention this, but I want to like just break down the word liturgy and kind of go like what does that word actually mean? Because I think I think that's something that uh, in today's world and society we're just all used to like kind of us being the center of everything. Right. Like right. W- whether we do it consciously or not. I think yeah. we're just, that we're, that's just kind of what we're used to doing. Yeah. Um, at least me, I know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the word liturgy, so it comes from uh, two Greek root words. The first one being laos and the second one being ergon. So it says uh, laos means the people and ergon means work. And so kind of what you said, it's like a public work. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, I guess, like, kind of back in the kind of ancient, like, Greek days, mm-hmm. uh, a liturgist or liturgy, if you did liturgy, means you did, uh, like, a public work, yeah. which means that, like, if you're, like, a teacher or, like, anything like a garbage man or anything like that was, like, a liturgist, mm-hmm. right? Because you were doing work on behalf of the people. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and so how we use the word liturgy is uh, the participation of the people of God in the work of God. That's kind of what I found. Yeah. No, that's a good way to kind of summarize it. And I think um, it does kind of, I think it turns uh, sometimes our American or maybe just our Christian understanding. We're, We're so used to this idea of God reaching out to us and God wanting to, love us and all this that sometimes we get to the point where we kind of say well it's all about us you know instead of it's about god it's about liturgy service mass whichever denomination you come from whatever you call your church you know whatever you do at church it's all about us rather than about god and that's really backwards you know it's backwards from what we're actually called to do but because we've become so familiar with it maybe or it might be partly just our our times and our culture but um, we've kind of lost the sense of like the public work of it, or the, the it is a work that we offer to God. Not that, not that God is like demanding us, like haul these bricks from here to there. Like he's not, he's not demanding us to do something like servile. But he's basically saying to have right relationship with me, I need you to do this, this public work together. And and when you do that. I will be closer to you, you will be closer to me, and so it's good for you to offer the liturgy, offer the Mass. And so, um, but it, it is kind of flying in the face of what we commonly sort of think about, or maybe on the even on the experiential level, like it's oftentimes, if you look at mega churches or sort of the Christian idea of what church is these days? It's more about the experience. What do I what do I get out of it? Um, not so much what am I offering to God. I mean, there is that. I think everybody knows that underlying thing. Like, yes, we're offering something to God. We offer worship to God. But when you look at what we actually do 
and how we go about it, a lot of times you kind of look at it and say, that seems like it's more about people and us than it is about us doing what God is asking us to do. So, um, I don't know, that's, I guess that's my little take on that is it's kind of hard for us to always understand that because of the context we're living in in these days. I don't know if you would agree with that or not. But Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, especially growing up and kind of depending where you come from and what your experience of church is, like the Mass can be done in a very boring way, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Which isn't necessarily bad because it's still like valid it's still, it's still valid it's still offering the of, of the of the mass right you know it's still good yeah. but it can be really boring yeah and as humans we don't really like boring things right you know and so <laughs> give me some of that more boring i just <laughs> love it <laughs> and uh it's so I, I think it is it, it is difficult um for people especially if they have if they don't haven't maybe experienced like mass the way it's or in a really good way. Mm-hmm. And and to a certain extent, it will to someone who doesn't want to be there, it'll always be boring, I guess, right, right. For, your, for, for the most part. But yeah. I mean, I think about somebody that goes to like a sporting event where they don't know anything about it. Yeah. Like for most Americans, if you went to like cricket or rugby, it would take you a while to be like, be like oh, this is fun. They're running into each other, but <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the rules are and how do you score and what's going on. Like it wouldn't, we wouldn't have the same understanding of, of, of like a regular fan, you know. Um, it's like when when non-Americans come to a football game or a baseball game, they're kind of like, "What? What's going on here?" What? You yeah. know. It, it, so for, for us, if we don't understand the mass and we don't get what's happening, it can be quite quite boring. It can be quite. Um, I can be pretty non-engaged, right? Yeah. And, and that's easy to do. And even for us who are aware of what's happening, it can be boring because we're we're kind of not engaged or whatever, you know. So, like you said, um, it it can be done poorly, and it can be done well, but it can be done validly in both ways. I, I was mm-hmm. I was just talking to somebody recently about this, and you know, like at the end of the day, the church strives for validity in the mass, so that Jesus comes in the sacrament and we receive Jesus in the sacrament. Um, but there's a lot more to it than that. And like if if that's yeah. all all we like aim for is validity like well there's there's a lot more that could be done to to really make the mass a more beautiful offering to god and a more something that we enter into to you know you know i guess it's it goes both ways you want to avoid the the sense where you are trying to make it entertaining for the people who are there like it's all about us but on the same time you want you want to engage people so that they enter into it and truly offer worship to God and not just sit there as lumps on a log, you know? So it's, it's a balance between those two extremes, I would say. Yeah. 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 Which, which, um, when you're kind of talking about like mega churches or just, um, or just, I guess maybe the kind of free churches. Yeah. Yeah. Have a looser kind of idea of what worship is. Yeah. And it's, it's more kind of, it's kind of made, to engage people mm-hmm. and for their enjoyment, mm-hmm. which makes sense that people enjoy it because right. that's what's that's, that's what it's, that's it, the it's model aimed, is. Right? Yeah, right. Um, and so it's to engage the emotions a lot of times, or get people excited, or yeah. engage people uh, on the on the natural level, perhaps more than the supernatural level. I mean, not that they avoid the supernatural level, but that's not always the goal. Um, 
the highest goal is, you know, for, for us as Catholics, the idea is I come here to encounter God, not you all. <laughs> like, it's good that we're all here together, but I'm here to meet with God first and foremost. Like, that's the primary relationship happening here at Mass. And sometimes we're more aware of the uh, people around us than we are about who God is and where God is and how am I speaking to God, so. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. I, I think I think it's very it's interesting just looking at the the differences there. And, and you know, I think you've definitely heard you know people, and I've definitely said myself like, man, I didn't get anything out of like this mass, yeah. or yeah. um, or else there's just some days where you're just less engaged, <laughs> not there. You yeah. know, <laughs> yeah. you're you're preoccupied with something that's happened earlier in the day, or something that's going to happen later in the day, and that's the reality. Yeah, so. yeah, I was. It's funny. I went to um, the Sunday. I went to the the uh, Newman Mass at the cathedral because oh, yeah. it just kind of worked out that way. And we sure. went we went there. And there's one of the um, focus missionaries there. I met him a couple weeks ago. Sure. And he like come. He he, he was like, "Hey Dan, hi." You know, he like said hi. And I was like, "What's his name?" I was like, "I can't remember his name." So the first half of the mass. All I could think about is what that what was that guy's name? What's that guy's name? You <laughs> know, uh, like multiple times, just like okay, it doesn't matter. We'll figure it out later. It's not, <laughs> not important. But then it was just like eating me alive, and it's sure. like anything else. Yeah. Um. But in, so like I mean, there's t- tons of you know. It's just one example of yeah. ways that, that we can like be brought out of the mass. And I've definitely had times where you're kind of at mass, and there's certain things, parts of the mass that kind of that do that to you, that kind yeah. of pull you out of it. Yeah. Whether yeah. it's, um. You know, people there or that like, server keeps picking his nose, and that's just so <laughs> gross. Yeah, father's yeah. voice is really annoying today. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that's something where it's like, yeah, obviously we could all be probably be in a better place, and maybe the in- environment could be better, and we'll probably talk about that later. Um. Uh, but I think like that's all just like said to be like it's not like. Like we can still be in that state and like receive the sacrament, right? And that's the most important thing, right? Right. right. Um, and I, I, like I think it's like it's great when we go to mass and have really good experience. We're like, oh man, this was just great. Yeah. Like like that's that was good. a good mass. Yeah. yeah. Like that's good, and like God wants that for us, but right. that's not the point of it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. When we when we make it all about our emotion and our our um, level of engagement, it becomes easy to say. If I don't have a good experience, then why go? Mm-hmm. Uh, why why should I go if I don't? If it's not a great experience every time I go, if I can have a better experience playing golf or sleeping in or doing something with my friends on Sunday morning, why go? If it's all about what I get out of it, you know, um, and you can see why where people why people would think that way or why they think that way or the you know why why that's their context because so often that is kind of how we decide to do things in our our current culture, the idea of I'm offering something to God. It doesn't always come in, in first. It should probably be our first notion when it comes to mass and and worship and so forth. But the, the reality is, not everybody is always keyed into that reality of like, hey, this is about me worshiping God. This is about me offering something to God. This is about me giving my my time to God this morning and trying to encounter Him and trying to be open to Him guiding me this morning, or whatever, if it's in the evening or whatever. So, but. Again, um, that's not always our perfect response to worship. So, yeah, and that's okay. Yeah, and uh, 
getting into the maybe the like kind of explaining like okay what do we mean by right worship um uh i guess what what would be a good way to like start this do you want to talk about like the mass specifically or do you want to talk about like i don't know yeah yeah doing like like right worship versus wrong worship or yeah i think we mentioned already the word valid um that might be a place to start with um so for a for something to be valid means it, it it happened. So when we talk about sacraments being valid, when a valid sacrament is celebrated, the sacrament happens. Whether it's received fruitfully is a whole other question. You know, like, yeah, we poured water on the baby's head and we said the words, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, is, is that child, yeah, he's now a child of God. If I pour, if I do the same thing for an adult, you know, they have to be pretty engaged. Or as a child, like, how engaged can they be? They're they're a child, right? So we're we're depending on the faith of their parents, their godparents, um, that they're going to be raised in the faith. All these things, um, they're, it's a, they're as fruitful as they can be, right? They're as engaged as they can be. But um, so when we talk about the mass and validity, we're asking: to, Did the priest say the right words? Did we use wine and bread? Did we um, do all the parts of the mass that we were supposed to do? Um, if something essential is missing, then we didn't have a valid mass. We didn't have the, the sacrament didn't happen. So they might have handed out bread and they might have handed out uh, wine to drink, but it wasn't Jesus. So that's a problem, right? So that's why the church is very particular about saying you need to do these certain things, otherwise it's not valid, no sacrament. So that's on a very basic level, that's what the church tries to legislate through the legislative text. So the, the Roman Missal, which is the big red book that we pray out of, um, all the all the training that Father goes through so that he can do different things, having the right ministers, all, the, all that is about making the Mass valid. Now, um, right worship also indicates um, not just validity, but that we're, we're trying to do everything in the way that is is best ideal or whatever you want to say so again if you looked at those liturgical texts something like the roman missal there's a bunch there's a section in there that tells you this is how it's supposed to be done um this is the kind of way the ministers are supposed to do their duties you know all those things are kind of guided and listed in there um there's also something like a, a document i think i referred to both of these in the past bulletin uh this past weekend in the in the um insert uh, sacrament uh, sacrosanctum concilium which is a document that outlines the liturgy the reform of the liturgy after vatican ii so it talks about like music it talks about um all the different uh you know this the, even about the furniture like the the different things you have like the altar and the you know the tabernacle and all these things it talks about the way the church architecture should be uh it talks about how the ministers should be trained and um, it talks about, you know, is it okay to sing in the vernacular, which is the language of the people wherever you are, so for us it would be English, or should Latin be sung or said. You know, these kinds of things, it talks about all that stuff. And again, the idea is we want to follow what the church asks us to do uh, because the church is the bride of Christ. The church is Christ's presence on earth. And Christ has given to the church through the apostles 
um, the ability to sort of outline certain things. One thing would be how do we validly and how do we licitly, which is lawfully, celebrate the Mass. So there are, there are certain things that the Church promulgates, which basically says, here's how we're going to do it. Here's what we're going to do. Uh, this is how it should be done. And we want to follow that the best we can. If we go against it, we're basically saying we don't care about right worship, it's more about us. If we um, don't know about it, that's one thing. But to, to go against it with, with while knowing that this is not the best way or this is not the way that we're supposed to do it, that's kind of like a you know, uh, slight to God because we're saying we don't care about what you ask or what your church asks. We're, we want to do what we want to do. Um, so that's, that becomes, I guess, where we could start to talk about wrong worship there's kind of those two levels. Are we doing it knowingly, or is it just ignorance, or just we're doing the best we can, but for whatever reason, you know, we're inadequate in this area, and we're working on it. So there's there's kind of, I would say, gradations of what it means to wrongly worship and likewise rightly worship. So I don't know if that makes sense. Maybe it's too technical, the language I just threw out there. I mean, I like it. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm sure everyone else did. I'm sure everyone else got get it gets it. So I said valid and licit are are things that we talk about. Licit just means lawfully. So, um, what would be a, an analogy? I, I think you could go back to the cooking analogy or something like, if you're going to cook something, peanut butter jelly sandwich is not really cooking, but if you're going to cook spaghetti. Or, or or salad or whatever, you got to use the right ingredients. And you got to do it the right way, you know. Otherwise, you might have noodles and sauce and meatballs, but if you don't do it the right way, like it's not. We wouldn't call it spaghetti. Like you can call it whatever you want, but it's, it's not spaghetti. You know, if you if you don't cook the meatballs, or if you don't, you know, cook the sauce in the right way, I don't know. You know, <laughs> so you gotta you gotta follow the recipe. You gotta do what what's what's there to to be guided to do the right thing and that's that's the whole idea behind the, like liturgical books um the training of the priests and the ministers is to do the mass in the way that god asks us to do it and the way that the church uh invites us to do it so yeah what are some like like what would you say are components of right worship and i guess what i mean by that is maybe more specifically is like um what are like, like when we talk about like environment, mm-hmm. or you know, th- there's a lot of these different like words that we'll use. And w- what do you th- like? What would you say are like the different parts of the mass sure. that we, or even just of like worship that we can mm-hmm. get right or wrong? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of areas to go to. You you mentioned environment, like that's an important component. As Catholics, we worship in churches, right? So that's our typical thing. Now, if you don't have a church or you're camping or whatever and there's not a possibility for a church, can you have Mass outside? Yeah, you can have Mass outside. Is it the preferred? No, it's not, actually. Um, If you, like we had an outdoor Mass here at St. Lawrence this summer. The reason why we did that is because of the COVID thing. We wanted to invite people who maybe were uncomfortable coming inside. So would the church say that's okay? Yeah, it would make, it would make exception for that. Uh, is there a good reason to? Sure. Uh, but the typical thing should be, let's worship in a church, a space that's set up to be not anything else but a church. It's not a theater. 
It's not an event center. It's not a um, whatever. It's it's built and designed for one purpose, to worship God. And, you know, like, if you can you think of the, the Jews in the, in the Old Testament saying, well, you know, we've got this nice big temple. Grandma's passed away. Let's, let's have a, a big family get-together, and we'll all get in the sanctuary and, like, do a, a jig or whatever, whatever the Jewish people do when they celebrate. Um, no, they wouldn't do that. Like, that space is, is separate. It's set aside for a single purpose, which is the worship of God. So um, to have a place set apart is kind of similar to this idea of holy. That's why we call it a holy place is it's set apart for a purpose, a specific purpose. We don't do other things there. Um, now, has there been leeway with that? Yeah, probably some churches have been used for concerts and things. Maybe they shouldn't have been. But, you know, that's probably more ignorance than malice, I would say. So the environment is important, right? That's that's one key component is how is the church set apart? It should be laid out in such a way that we can offer the Mass and we have an altar, we have a sanctuary, we have these days pews. Pews aren't essential, but, you know, there's a space for the congregation to gather. Um, do we have all those components? You know, obviously the altar is a very important component. We don't just use a table, we use an altar. Um can you use a table when we're at Camp Survive? We use a table, right? Because that's what we have. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ideal is if we're going to have a place where you're offering worship regularly, it should be a church, there should be an altar, there should be a tabernacle, these kinds of things. So that all of that is part of right worship. You, know, um, you might not think of that right away, but that is part of right worship. Another area, um, you know, you can't have Mass without the priest. If you don't have a priest, sorry, I mean, you have to have either a bishop or a priest. You can't have uh, just lay people. You can't have a deacon alone. You can have a, a communion service, right, with lay people or a deacon, but you need to have a priest. Jesus is the priest. He offers the sacrifice, so we need to have the right minister, right, to, to offer the Mass. Now, all of us are part of that through our baptismal priesthood, as I mentioned this weekend. We, we offer the Mass uh, together, but you need to have the ministerial priesthood present. Uh, in order to offer the sacrifice in the Mass. And he needs to do the right things. Like, he can't just be sitting in the pews and saying, yeah, you guys go ahead and say those words up there. I'm just going to sit in the pew. Like, he has to... It's like Jesus didn't sit next to the cross and say, you know, John, why don't you get up there and, and die on the cross, and I'll just sit here, and you can do that part for me, huh? Mary, uh, how about you uh, go over there, and you, know, you get scourged? Uh, no. Like, he had, to, he had to do that part, right? So that there's a ministerial priesthood where you... You offer the sacrifice in a particular way. You enter into the role. Jesus uh, works through the, the ministerial priesthood. So you've got to have that. Uh, if you don't have that, it's not a valid sacrament. Um, music, you could talk about music. You know, uh, What does the church ask for when it comes to music? We don't play music that we hear on the radio. We don't play music uh, that we hear in the bar. I mean, unless it's a holy bar, maybe they sing different things in there but you never know you never know we have we have the holy bar here but you know there's a there's a sense of the whole idea of sacred music is that again it's set apart it's set apart for this one purpose we don't do this music at um, a wedding reception we don't do this music at um, at the bar we don't do this music it's set apart for one purpose which is to offer worship to God and that's why Catholic Liturgy music is sacred, and it's different than other denominations. Other Christian churches will will do praise and worship music that's on the radio and whatever, and it's it's beautiful and it offers 
in a sense, a worship to God, but it doesn't have the same quality or that same set-apart purpose. Like, this is specifically for the Mass. It's specifically for God. It's specifically uh, written to honor and to adore God. So um, I guess that's that kind of gets you started, but there's, you could go into the, like the training of the ministers. You could go into... Um, what do we wear when we go to Mass? Uh, we could talk about um, the decor of the church even, like why we do certain things in a certain way. I mean, yeah, there's tons of things you could talk about. Yeah, yeah. I watched a little like class um, on the, I forget what it was called, but it was just basically like an overview of the liturgy. Mm. And um, it was by this uh, this one guy who he teaches for the liturgical institute oh yeah and um and he, he was basically saying like everything in the church is supposed to like like we should like l- like look at the doorknob to the church and be like that's jesus yeah you know like, <laughs> he was just like he's like everything in the church like everything about the liturgy we should look at that and be like that's jesus mm-hmm. you know and and he was kind of like joking about it a little bit and he's, he's like yeah is that like too much he's like maybe from an outsider's perspective or maybe it's like, okay, yeah, like that's, that's maybe like weird, but at the same time, it's like this, like that's what it's designed to do is to like glorify God, glorify God. Right. I mean, the whole idea of the proper vessels at mass, like do we use gold or uh, silver or something like that on the altar for the chalice, for the patens, the thing that holds the bread and the wine? Or do we just use pottery or glass? You know, that, that was a thing for a while. People were using other things, other types of uh, vessels. I think some of it was ignorance. Like, you know, the church has changed, I guess, on this. And some of it was knowingly, like, just saying, no, we're kind of reacting against um, things and we, we want to bring in these other things. Because these other gold things, these silver things, we don't want to be too showy. We want to be closer to the poor, this kind of idea. Whereas... The church has always officially said we should have sacred vessels because this is God, right? So it's a way for us to honor God is to have beautiful sacred vessels, uh, and we we should do the best we can to offer uh, God something beautiful. So, yeah. what do you think when? Because uh, I mean, obviously, a lot of part of this, and when we think about right worship, it's kind of the ideal, mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah. right, and the, I mean, the ideal isn't always attainable right for various reasons and that's important to realize yeah um but w- when we when we kind of look at this and talk about this and like it, it can be i don't know it could probably come off as just like like uh we want everything to be like perfect we want this big right beautiful church we yeah, want yeah. this like music that will like Not blow you away yeah. and like all this stuff and it's like I could kind we, of. We want a priest that preaches really awesome. And yeah. <laughs> just by the way he says mass, we're just taken up into the mysteries. Yeah. Yeah. yeah which is like obviously, yeah, probably the ideal. Mm-hmm. But, um, but like I, do, I guess what I'm saying is that when we dig into like what the church asks and really like looking at the ideal, it could probably come across as like oh you don't like what we have yeah yeah. or you're not good enough or or, we're not good enough we're not good enough (laughs) like this isn't good enough or um and maybe even like um 
Yeah, like just like un, unsatisfied or mm-hmm. or like always. You always want more from yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I guess I don't know if you've, you've probably heard heard this more yeah. than. Yeah, well, I don't know. <laughs> but but um but yeah, I, I like I, it can just come off the wrong way. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, and come off as kind of like snootier, like right, better than now or holier than now or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, which isn't the. I think that comes from it. It reflects back onto ourselves of like we make it again about ourselves, then, you know, if all we had was pottery and that was like the greatest thing we had to offer to God, like if we were somewhere where we didn't, we couldn't afford gold and silver vessels, we couldn't afford a big fancy church, we couldn't afford an organ or, you know, a piano or anything, um, offer what you have. God will have received what you have, right? But uh, when we could do these other things, and we don't, again, it's us saying to God, well, we don't really care about what you ask of us. Um, you know, you could you could have a beautiful Mass without all of these things. If if you see people coming to the Lord with devotion and love, and they're, they're, they're coming to offer true worship, like, that's a beautiful thing, right? And you don't have to have a beautiful space and a beautiful chalice and a Whatever you, I mean, beautiful vestments. You can offer worship to God with what you have. God's not asking us. I mean, if you think about, like, uh, even in the old Old Testament, you know, they were off to offer uh, a ram or a a, a a sheep or a goat, uh, or if you didn't have that, you could offer two turtle doves. I mean, if you read the Book of Leviticus, yeah. there's always like an yeah. accommodation to like. What do you have? What's what's available to you? What do you what's possible for you? And the church does the same thing. Like it it holds out the ideal as like, this is awesome. Go for this. But if you can't do that, then there's these other things that you can do. And depending on what the where the what what the area is, you know, it kind of gives a lot of leeway in terms of what we should do, you know. If you can't if you don't have musicians, you can speak the mass. If you um if you can do a little bit, do a little bit. You know, it's there's there's lots of accommodation there on the on the part of the church, and it's not about making us feel bad that we don't have the ability to offer the best to God. It's like we just offer the best that we have, right? Um, so it is a balance, I would say, and it can come off as like, uh, Father's just all about whatever, or the church is all about you know serving the uh, the rich and and not connecting with the poor. But um, I don't know. It, Something when I was in Rome, there's all these beautiful churches that anybody can go into. Um, you go to some of these other cities in Europe, and a lot of the churches are like museums. Like you have to pay to go into them. Like you can't just go in there and pray. You know, and it, it always struck me as really odd. Like this building was built so that people could come and worship God, and now all all that's left of the faith here in this city or this place is that. They keep this building open by charging people admission to come in and look at the paintings or look at the stained glass or whatever. And how sad, you know, that this building is no longer a place of worship. It's a place of, like, learning about the past, and, and, and that's it. It's just a, it's just a yeah. museum. So I don't know if I'm getting off on a tangent here, but, um, you know, offer what we can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think it's kind of important there, too, to, like— always keep in mind especially if we have something like beautiful or something good something ideal 
like what it's there for, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, because because yeah, like over in Europe they have all these really nice, beautiful churches, but the faith there is also declining, right? And so uh, that's not enough, apparently. Yeah, yeah, and so it's so it's like I, I, you know, it's kind of, I guess kind of what I said like when we started like it's important that we like worship, yes. and then we can worship rightly, but we have to, but there has to be the worship there, right? Yeah, right, right. So we we can have all the components, even like you're saying, but not have the actual worship. If it if we all yeah. get together on Sunday and we have a beautiful church, we have uh, great music, we have uh, well trained ministers. They do on the outside everything that they're supposed to do. The priest says all the right words, um, but does, does that mean we're all going to encounter God? Like, do we have faith? Or do we are we growing closer to God because of this worship that we're offering? Maybe, maybe not. I mean. Kind of depends. Are are we engaged? Are we are we entering in? Are we offering, or is it just an empty ritual? Yeah, yeah. Um, it kind of reminds me of the like scripture passage, like if you do all these things but you do not have love. Yes. And yeah. so it's kind of it's kind of that. And so like it definitely is like a both and mm-hmm. that. Uh, but but the, the, there's also an aspect of like if you go to like I just remember like being in Rome and being in some of these like beautiful churches it's like it's like i could definitely sit in here and just like stare at everything and like like you look at everything you're like this floor makes me think of like god you know Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. like so there definitely is that aspect there and i think when you go there there is like the wow factor yeah and you can see like you can see how like that's real yeah you know um at one time this was a very real thing for this people whether it is or not now you know yeah that's uh, an interesting thing to think about too is like beauty created things that are beautiful um, and are in harmony with right worship you know uh, there's there can be like liturgical art that's not beautiful in the sense that it it doesn't come from a place of faith it comes from a place of like aesthetic only or like what's good art you know that kind of thing um, but beautiful spaces that were created and, and to be beautiful it points to the faith of the people that built it, you know? Um, and uh, sometimes you see like in Rome or other places where it's like, this is an artifact of, of a time when there was a lot of faith here, but now there's something, it, there's a discord, you know, with how people in this community are no longer, you know, attending their church or whatever. They, they've kind of lost it. And they, they've, the beauty's still there. The building is still there. It's still beautiful, but they've missed what it's all meant to lead them to, which is God. Right? Oh, it's interesting. I think. I mean, that kind of runs into what the Protestant Reformation was about, to some degree. The kind of iconoclasm, where they were like, empty the churches, clear out the churches, because all that, all that art, all that beauty wasn't enough you know there were still people who were not being faithful to god or not really going to god because they were caught up with all these things and that's where you see sometimes christians are like we don't want all these exterior things because they distract us from god and so you kind of have this tension whereas we as catholics have always said uh good art leads us to god the the our transcendentals that we talked about earlier Mm -hmm. in the year they lead us to god right if we just stop at the transcendental itself and just say, oh, this beautiful art or this beautiful thing or this beautiful music, but if if I follow where it leads me, it should lead me to God, and that's what good liturgy does. So. Yeah, yeah, and and kind of going back to what you were saying earlier, like when we, 
like if if we have the ability to do the ideal, we should. Mm-hmm. And if we can't, then that's okay. Like do just, what you do what you can. But when you are able to do the ideal, and you don't, that's kind of where the issue is, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, I think definitely something for us to continue to think about, especially just in our own lives. Like as we yeah. as we show up yeah. to mass and be like, all right, am I here to like give what I have to, you know, participate in the work of God? Right. Right. Yeah, definitely. So. Great. Any any final thoughts? No, I mean it's a good topic. There's there's so much to cover, so much to talk about. Uh, but I think for each of us, it's it's a question of reflecting on what am I bringing when I come to mass? Am I? Um, I mean, that's part of the right worship. And if if everything else in the room in the church, all the other people are cued in, but I'm not. I'm not here to offer worship to God, then it's not going to do me a lot of good to be there in a, in a sense. I mean, um, if I'm just not engaged today, but I'm present, but I'm I'm trying to be as much as I can, that's there's good that comes from that. But if I'm, I'm just sitting in the room totally disengaged and not wanting to be engaged, like, it's not doing me any good, so... Yeah, and I guess that that's a very like human interpretation of like if if you you know give what you have. <laughs> yeah, yes. it's like if you can't give the ideal today, hey, give what you have. Give what you got. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, all right, well, great. Thank you, Father, for for joining today, and uh, thank you everyone for uh, for listening. We hope you have a great week, and we will talk to you again next week.